Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome everyone to the Celtic Way podcast. Great to be with you as always, Scott. And here we are. This is Holy Week. And you know, when we're recording this and when we'll put it out, it'll be Holy Week. So we've got Monday, Thursday, we got Good Friday, Easter is right in front of us. And as as you know, you know, I grew up Catholic and then after after my Catholic days, I got involved when what did I get involved? I was a I think it was a non-denominational or a Baptist church, but I've also been on staff at Methodist churches during Good Friday and Easter. I, there's a Presbyterian church. I was at a Lutheran church once doing music. So I feel like I have a wide variety of Holy Week experiences in my back pocket, but I don't think I have any understanding or knowledge regarding Celtic spirituality in relation to Holy Week. And I feel like maybe Maybe that's something you can offer today. So, so <laughs> yeah. let's see where you can take us. Well, it's a wild ride. So <laughs> the Celtic spectrum, of course, is very broad. And I'll just give you my slice of, of what I think Chris and I are going to do this year, though she's having surgery on Monday, Thursday. But we're, we're still kind of planning a few things maybe that we'll do at home. I want to begin in a place that might seem not so tangential, but I'll try with your help to bring it around. I think that's a new word for me, tangential. That that would be the first time I ever heard that word in my life. That's a great word. Got to look it up because, you know, I'm like a former president. I like to just throw words out there, whether I know what they mean or they exist. Yeah, I should look it up to see if you just made that up or if it's an actual word. That's a good word. Teilhard de Chardin, in his book, The Future of Man, He says that everything is the sum of the past. Nothing is comprehensible except through its history. You know, you study history all the way from grade school, middle school, all the way through. If we don't learn from the past, we'll repeat the past. And so it gave me pause for a minute to wonder, because once again, I just spent a bunch of time with 20 and 30-year-olds, and I'm like, "How's what's Holy Week looking like for you? And they're all looking at me like, pardon me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, well, you know, Holy Week, you know, the full foot washing and Good Friday. And they're like, no, we don't know that. Honestly, we know Good Friday, Jesus died. And we've, I've been a lot of them. I mean, we've been to church on Good. So there's Good Friday and Easter, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Like, it's like, a, it, it was called a triduum. It's a Latin word. It's the great three days. And they're like, no, sorry, Father Scott irrelevant, (laughs) incomprehensible. We don't get it. I said, what's the story? It's the story of the last week of Jesus, which, you know, the Celtic people are very big on stories. And that's their whole vibe. You know, they have this thing called the rood, which is another, it's a Celtic name for the cross. And they have this story around the Lord, the the right, the dright, it's called, and he is the warrior. He's the warrior saint. The cross is his battlefield. Because that's a whole different take on it. So I, I said to them, I'm just going to, because I know these people, we have this long relationship together. And I said, so here's my concern. If you don't know the stories, how do you, not just this week, but how do you integrate any of this Christian stuff into your life? I mean, do you have a sense of the narrative? 
like at least the big points. And they're like, no, but the more you talk about it, the more we think this is important. And so maybe we should know this stuff. And <laughs> so, you know, out comes the, the things they're taking notes on and stuff. And I noticed that you, as ecumenical as you've been from Lutheran to Catholic to Baptist to Methodist to Presbyterian and God only knows what else, evangelical, you forgot one of the days, which is the day that most people forget. So, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. It's Saturday. None of us know what to do on Saturday. Oh, oh, nobody knows because you've never been to the longest liturgy in the history of humanity. So I'm, I'm, I'm laying all this out for them. And actually, they're getting very intrigued with it. A couple of people are like, I'm going to go to church. I'm like, hey, don't overdo yourself. But okay, but get ready for Thursday. So we're going to explore these three days on the podcast. And now I'm really going to put a question to you unexpectedly right out of left field. Right, yeah, I know. Grimace, because here it comes. So what is the point of this whole Christian thing anyway? Oh, goodness. That, that feels like a huge question. It's huge. Like Teilhard de Chardin says, there's a telos. There's a point to this. There's the omega point to this. This is where we're heading, and it's also why we do it. One of the things that I was actually contemplating earlier today is for a lot of, of time in my faith journey, it felt like the, the point to my Christian journey was to, to understand it correctly or to uh. know the right way to think. And as I was pondering Holy Week and, and everything this week, actually earlier this morning is when I was you know thinking about this and writing it down a little bit. I, it's interesting what you said a little bit earlier because I kind of came to this point of, you know, the importance of our Christian journey is really the story that it envelops, both for us personally and the, the broader story of Christianity as a whole. You know, and when I think about Holy Week, I want to focus more in on the story of Holy Week versus any sort of like specific details that people used to tell me were so very relevant. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's to get swallowed up in the story. Mm-hmm. It's to be possessed by God. It is to become Christ-likeness. It is to become more loving. You know, it is to become more in control by the Spirit. And I'm just so blessed. I treasure Holy Week. I really do. In this week, even if it's just the three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we have the cycle of life. We have the cycle of nature. And I think we have, in Jesus' life, His last week, and his last week as a man, and his last week as, as the Messiah. This is a guy who in his last week is blowing everybody's expectations. If they haven't been blown before, they're completely blown out of the water now. I think that is what Teilhard was trying to say, is we have to understand the story, the, the political, the social, the cultural expectations of people. What kind of Messiah is Jesus going to be? Well, we want him to be the kind we want him to be, you know, the mm-hmm. Davidic king. Kick the Romans out of here, reestablish us as the chief power broker in the region, and usher in the kingdom of God militarily, socially, religiously, and a grand finale. Well, there was a grand finale, just wasn't the one they were looking at. And as, as we know, every season of nature carries with it a different a note, a different voice. And every day in the three days is the same. We begin with Monday, Thursday. So cracked me up. My friend Darren around the circle is like, well, why is it two days? 
And I said, excuse me, is, why is it Monday and Thursday? And I said, no, it's Monday. It's a Latin word. It is mandatum. It's, it's a mandate. You have to do this. And he's like, have to do what? And I said, well, it comes from John chapter 12 and 13. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. You have to love everybody. This is the mandate. You have to love everybody as I have loved you. Oh, that's the mandate. That is the mandate. And so what happens the last night, the disciples are together. Isn't it interesting that everybody says they shared the Last Supper together? Except one of the Gospels doesn't agree. There is no Last Supper in the Gospel of John. Instead, there is the foot washing. Because this is how I'm going to love you and how I want you to love each other is to set yourselves aside. As the Messiah, I'm going to do the real, gritty, dirty servant thing. I am going to wash your feet as you've been walking the dirt roads all day long with no socks on, no tennis shoes, just, and I'm going to do that. And of course, some of them are like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Of course, I heard of that every year in church. No. <laughs> you know? But it was the whole thing about the expectation of this Messiah is now girding himself around the waist with a towel, and he's washing and drying people's feet. The big reversal could not have been spoken and delivered any more clearly than that. Oh, man, Messiah. Really? Yeah. This is what it means now for me to love you and you to love others. Is that is set your agenda, your expectations aside. Humble yourself and let's begin by serving, really serving one another. Isn't it fascinating that the, the person who we often think about as the disciple who maybe understood or at least talked the most about love would be the one who that's what stuck out to him was right. foot washing as opposed to the meal. You know, as we think about it, this, and I think about my own journey, it's almost as if the other writers and maybe even some of the other disciples were trying to figure out the nuts and bolts, the, what are we doing? The, how does this matter? Whereas John was just experiencing the story kind of like what you said. So true. It is interesting to me, and what the church remembers and reenacts is the Last Supper every week. Mm -hmm. But the foot washing once a year, and that's barely to the few people who will come, and even a smaller group of people who come will let you do that to them. It's the whole servant thing. I think that as a Christians, we are called to preserve the very best of the traditions. And I don't like the word tradition so much anymore, so I think the I entitled that the best chapters of the story that's what we're called to do whether we like that or not the whole historical thing is very important holy week is the best of these stories it has a way of anchoring us in culture in history in military occupation in society in hierarchy of social values that are very, very different, and yet in many ways similar to ours as well. But we have to understand them before that what we can go with. I think that the other side of the coin about what is the point of this whole Christian, this whole Celtic Christian thing, I, I really am starting to believe that people have a very deep yearning 
for that which is sacred. However we express that in whatever culture we live in, I, I would just say I think people really, if they just pay attention to it, we have a, a longing for God. Nobody wants to leave this world. Nobody wants to die without having a sense of being known, being understood, being listened to. And I think that crowning point in relationship comes from God. We can have that intimacy, that that kind of really transformative life, if we offer ourselves in openness and sincerity and honesty and transparency and vulnerability and all of that stuff, we might even begin to taste what it means when Augustine said, I won't find any rest until I can finally rest in you. And I, and I think we all have that desire. The mandate comes from John 13, 34 to love one another, the washing of the feet and the sharing of the meal all happen as one of the disciples has rushed through the door and let it slam on his way to collect some money to betray the one who just washed his feet and fed him at the table. All of Holy Week is a remembering of what has gone on in the past but it's also the invitation to see ourselves, like in all good Celtic stories, right? To see ourselves in that place. And when we hear those feet go across the floor, push the door open and hear the door slam, somewhere we have to push the pause button and say, Judas, Scott, where are you going? Where are you still going? And then the call to service you know, that's what Judas was running away from, I think, to realize that if Jesus is going to get down on his knees and wash feet, he sure in hell is not going to pick up his sword and cast Rome out. It's time to force his hand. Judas goes off into the dark and can't see the darkness of his own heart. He couldn't even see the light that was in the room with him before. Good Friday comes. And I'm just smitten by this whole thing that our brother David has in, his, has in his Lenten thing. He really does a good job about telling us about how the wood almost has a conversation. And you can hear the wood remembering, reflecting the wood of the cross, that is, the rood, as they call it. Because the rude presents himself to Jesus as the final battlefield. This is no wimpy victim showing up here at the cross. This is the one who is the warrior. The Saxons and the Celts both shared in this story. And Jesus was not passive. He's going there to do battle. He's going there to do battle with what might go on in himself, reenacting that whole thing about the conversation in the garden. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But if it's not, I'm ready to do battle. I'm ready to follow your will. I don't so much always like the warrior and the battle image today. But what I do appreciate about things like Islamic faith is the word jihad, which, sorry, today we think about terrorists and bombs. They think about the battle that goes on within a person. Whose will is going to govern life? And Jesus shows us very clearly, I'm doing battle against everything that will want to take me down from this cross. 
and I'll give everything I have to give my life, my blood, my ego, what I wish, who doesn't want to avoid suffering, and so on. And so by staying on the cross, Jesus wins the battle. He shows what it's like. How far do we go? Jesus says, if you want to be in the kingdom, you will follow me. And he has a lot of mandates to, uh, that to say about, you know, you can't love family more than me. Scott, you cannot love baseball season more than me. Good Friday carries with it the flag of Christianity, I think, the white flag, the flag of ultimate surrender. When we die, we don't just have to trust God. We have to trust death. We have to trust that death isn't final, but the doorway. And surrendering is the way to get through the doorway. As the way the warrior, in terms of Celtic and Saxon mythology, would talk about, is the way to go. Again, one more reversal. Warriors have weapons. Jesus said, the way of the warrior is to surrender. And Saturday comes. This is the greatest night of the whole three nights. It's like three-hour mass, three-hour liturgy. It starts out in darkness. And, and I mean, the whole room is dark. There's little places where light is, where people read nine different scriptures with a pause and a prayer between each reading. And these scriptures, again, lay out the story from Genesis all the way to the end. And so you reflect, and you sit, and you listen, and you wait. It is what I call an active pacifism, that we're passive there listening and receiving, but we're engaged in our reflection about what God has done, how different it's looked. And now here we are in this night, the night after that Jesus died and is laying in a tomb, and we're doing the one thing that Americans don't like to do, wait, be still, be quiet. And after the final reading is done, these bells ring all over the church. The lights flash on, and a room that is covered in red is all of a sudden changed to white and gold. The Easter lilies are rushed out and put in front of the altar. The whole room is transformed in about five minutes. And then the music just roars, and the gospel is pronounced, and the first reading of the resurrection is done on Holy Saturday evening at the very end. It's really profound. And if there is baptisms that are done, they're done lavishly. We would create a wading pool in the middle of our church, and people would wade into the pool, and we would douse them. And it was just fun. And it should be. It's the celebration of light breaking into the night and giving us hope. It's a slow transition from Thursday to Friday to Saturday to that one last hour of the celebration of the resurrection. Have you ever seen an icon of Mary Magdalene? She's holding a little a vase that's full of healing oil, and she's holding an egg, a hard-boiled egg, supposed to be. And it's decorated. So at the end of the liturgy, people are going out, and you give everybody a hard-boiled egg. 
and they clink them like wine glasses. They tap them until the shell's broken, you know. And one person says, Christ is risen, and the other person says, he's risen in you. And I really like this whole thing about the three days, because it's, it is very much like springtime, the last hour of the liturgy. On the one hand, spring is a gift. It comes to us from the outside. We don't have a lot of control over it, really. But on the other hand, and you know where you live, you grow plants and you grow things. It takes work to grow this stuff. And even the plants that we don't work on, they're working, right? Hmm. And it's, uh, it's, growth always includes work. And so what we get from the three days, from the mandate, what the Celts understood in their monasticism and in their going out and helping people who are hungry, who need clothing, who need shelter, is that this gift of new life always has to be embodied again and again and again in us. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to love me like I have loved you. That's something that did happen to us, but it's also something we've got to do. Holy Week is the week of transformation as long as we're open to it. And I want to wish each and every one of you an active Holy Week. And just for fun, get to church. Experience it. See the story live in front of your very eyes. And then, well, then the rest is up to you. You have to be the story that someone else will read. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.